This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. I am absolutely loving it. On Tuesday, I don't know if you were here, but uh, I I must admit there may have been some some water that was coming out of these eyes. Um, As I just saw the beauty of all the nations that are represented here at Trinity. I love the global church. I love that Jesus' great commission was a commission for the whole world. And I love that that is embodied and increasingly embodied here at our community at Trinity Western. And so this morning, I have a special treat for you. I have the opportunity to actually be able to hear from four of our students who represent the global church here at Trinity Western. And uh, some of you may not know me very well. Uh, my name is Richard Taylor. I have the privilege of overseeing student life here at Trinity Western. And I was raised in the country of Kenya. So some of my first memories were of sitting in a rural church in central Kenya, where there was a a local group called the Kikuyu, and listening to choirs sing in Kikuyu, and in the area where I grew up, church was not, uh, church was not sort of a, you know, just something that you went to. Church was a daily, that was an entire day affair, it was an entire event. On Sundays, you spent your time engaging, socializing, learning from the Word at church. Now, I must admit, as a five-year-old, sitting through those four-hour services was sometimes a little bit difficult for me. But that was some of my first experience. I love the global church. And today, you, if you study anything about global Christianity, you'll see that the heart and the growth of the church has clearly shifted to the global south. Over the past 100 years, the percentage of Christians living in North America and Europe has dropped from 80% to just 40%. The fastest demographic growth is in countries from the global south. These also have the fastest multiplication of churches and indigenous missionaries, which means that by 2050, the largest Christian populations after the United States will be in these countries, Brazil, Mexico, the Philippines, Nigeria, Congo, Ethiopia, and China. Even in the United States, close to one-third of all Christians will have Latino or Asian roots, and South Korea, Brazil, and Nigeria have all emerged as major missionary-sending countries. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? And even more exciting that here at Trinity Western, we have the opportunity to actually engage and live that out. So, that's just in the way of an introduction. But what I really want to have time today to do is to have you hear from four of our students who come from some of these countries and hear about their faith experience and also their home church experience so that we can just be inspired and get a snapshot of what God is doing around the globe. So I want to start by welcoming Daniela Lombardo. Let's give her a big cheer. Danny, bienvenidos, Danny. Thank you. Nice to have you here. Uh, So I'm going to just take a few minutes, Danny, to hear a little bit about your experience 
Does your mic work? Yes. Okay, okay. excellent. So that's the start. Yes. Uh, the first question that we have, then this is you and your mother, I think. Yes, a few years ago. <laughs> that's a beautiful picture. Um, the first question for you is, can you describe, and I know we only have a couple minutes, but how you came to know Jesus as your Lord and, and what he means to you? Yeah, so my story begins in 1920. My family became Christian through an American missionary um, yeah, during the revolution, which was a very unstable period in Mexican history. And my great-grandparents founded a church as friends, and then that's how my uh, grandparents met in the church. Uh, so yeah, being a Christian in Mexico growing up was not a common thing. If some of you know, Latin America has a Catholic uh, religious experience, and that means that um, God is very centered in the Virgin Mary and in the worship of saints. So yeah, growing up as a minority was definitely something challenging, but something really um, cool in, in a way, too. Um, I got to share my faith with my friends growing up, and yeah, it's been awesome to see the gospel spread in Mexico. My home church started from one campus to six campuses today. Um, they just uh, completed their 50th anniversary. So, yeah, wow. 50 years, and they're still going really strong. And uh, when we were talking earlier, and I think this is just something a little bit unique, uh, you, you have a bit of a, you know, in your family, it sounds like all the way back to your grandparents, you have quite a, a, a legacy and quite a heritage in terms of, of uh, church planting in a local church. Could you maybe say a few words about your grandparents and their role in uh, planting churches? Yeah, well, planting a church was definitely something we consider a blessing in my family. I have an aunt who's a pastor as well. She's traveled to Europe to learn more about Christianity. But yeah, it's definitely something really special to my family, our faith, and it's something really cool to share with them. That's awesome. So what is the name of your home church in, in Mexico? Yeah, it's a weird name. It's called Satellite City. I don't know why, but it's the first Baptist church of Satellite City. Yeah, um, yeah that is our campus. Uh, yeah, we built it around six years ago. It was an investment of around $2 million. So that's really amazing if you think about it, how we all came together as a church and funded this. Um, yeah. And where is that campus located? Because you said there were six yeah. locations for your home church? Yeah, there's, uh, so Mexico City is a huge city, just as Vancouver. Um, like you would say Langley is close to Vancouver, but kind of like some, something like that. It's like 40 minutes away from Mexico City. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so tell me what's one thing that makes your home church really unique, especially as you come here, mm -hmm. you know, to Langley, British Columbia, and been at Trinity Western, and you think about some contrast. What's something that makes your home church unique? I think my home church is really focused on making the gospel come alive. Um, Catholicism, um, I don't know, in Mexico is a lot more about transactional relationship with God. Like if I sin, I have to pay. I have to say some words for God to forgive me. But our church has really focused on our relationship with God. That is not focused on payments or in doing things, but in just God's radical love and making the gospel applicable to your everyday life. So that's something I'm really passionate about, and that's something that the church has really focused on. Well, that's awesome. It sounds like a very dynamic uh, faith community. Yeah, it is. It's a young church in a way. There's a lot of people who are just um, newlyweds or um, who don't know anything about God. They just know the God from... Um, yeah, the church that is just in a crucifixion, but not the God that is talking to them in their everyday life. Okay, wonderful. Okay, as we wrap up our, our all too brief interview, Danny, uh, what's one thing that you've learned from your home church that you want to share with your friends here at Trinity Western, something that can be an encouragement to them? Um, 
Um, I think revival is a really good word. I would say that um, sometimes we know the gospel, but we don't actually live out the gospel. So it's good to just refocus and like know what the gospel means to us like every day when we wake up, when we eat, when we just talk to people, what does that mean? And how can we make it applicable to people who don't know Jesus and don't know God? So yeah, I think that's about it. Okay, the next uh, student that I'd like to welcome up is Carlos Monasterios. Carlos, please welcome. Salamat Tatang. Uh, welcome. I think that's in Malay. Uh, at least I'm trying. <laughs> um, so, Carlos, you uh, are first year at Trinity Western, is that correct? Uh, yes, that's right. I'm in the business program. You're in the business program. Any business uh, fellow uh, students here, please give Carlos a cheer. Uh, Carlos, you have a pretty unique background. You had told me as we were talking that you were born in Bolivia, but you were raised in, in Singapore. Is that right? Uh, yes, that's right. So I have left Bolivia when I was about five years old and lived in Singapore for about 17 years. Okay. So, so your formative experience was in Singapore? Oh, yes, that's right. Okay. And uh, I didn't actually know which language to greet you in because you probably know so many different languages. Uh, when it comes to your experience, uh, Carlos, you have a pretty unique testimony. It almost makes me sad that we only have a couple minutes this morning, so you might only have to say a couple things, but can you briefly describe, how did you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord, and what does he mean to you? Um, okay, um, so as I came over to Singapore when I was five years old, I couldn't really fit into the community, you know, and I the reason why I was in Singapore because my parents split up. So it was a lot of insecurities, a lot of vulnerabilities, and so I, I used a lot of things to um, mask those insecurities. You know, I went into substance abuse, I went into crime, um, a lot of uh, immorality and violence, manipulation. So that, that was my life that I led. And, you know, since the age of like 15, I just kept going into like juvenile institution, prison and various homes. So that was my life that I led. And I think I was about 18, you know, when I experienced the Lord. Um, it was a gradual, you know, um, it was a gradual awakening, I would say, you know, when I came to the realization of the wretchedness of my state. And it was the conviction of Jeremiah's words, you know, um, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So yeah, that was the place where I came to, you know, and uh, of, of, of brokenness. So how does, how does the Lord came to me, you know, like how does he mean to me? Uh, I think there's this Mandarin sentence that phrases it really well. You know, any Mandarin speakers here? Yeah, it's a small group, but it's okay, yeah. So uh, anyways, in Mandarin, we have this saying, you know, and uh, in direct translation is the Lord is my refuge. And uh, that was what I really needed as a youth, you know, um, growing up and uh, the image of God as a refuge, as a shelter, you know, for the weak. And that was, that's what Christ means to me. You know, one of, yeah. Wow, uh, that is incredible. And I, when we've had longer to talk, I'm really yeah. blown away by your testimony. I'd encourage any of you who want to just be inspired by what God can do to have a chance to have lunch or sit down with Carlos. But your faith community, quite unique, but it played a big role in uh, you really growing in your faith, didn't it? And, and overcoming some of these challenges that you were facing. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? First, what's the name of it and, and, okay. uh, and how did your connection develop? Okay, um, so this is part of my home church, uh, this image over here. So uh, it's really interesting, as Danny has illustrated, that God works in various uh, communities, various uh, social groups, cultures, and all, you know. As, and even on Tuesday's chapel, we saw how God was reflected through that. Um, so my church community is quite unique in the sense that it serves a, a special need. Um, it mainly caters, to, um, it mainly ministers to drug addicts, prisoners, um, you know, people who, who've gone through the system, you know, for like tens of years, 20, 20 years. 
Uh, but aside from that, it also ministers to the public. So as you can see from this picture, you wouldn't be able to tell who, who was in prison or who wasn't in prison, you know, um, because these are individuals, you know, for the love of God, which have filled them abundantly, they come over to this ministry, they spend time with um, the residents going through the, the journey of integrating back into society. And it's also really unique because uh, our church, or rather the home which I was live, uh, it's actually called The Hiding Place. Uh, it, it's, the ministry was inspired by uh, Jackie Pullinger in uh, Hong Kong back in the 70s, you know, where drug usage was rampant, you know, and she saw that the only solution to this brokenness was Christ, you know, and so that was the ministry of my church. Wow, that is, that is incredibly inspiring. Yeah. When you think, so you've talked about a, a home church setting, you know, which is a place that actually brings hope in the midst of, of pretty serious challenges that people have faced, including your own, and how that's brought in hope in your own life. Uh, two questions as we wrap up. The first is, I have to ask this, how did you find out about Trinity Western University? Um, so I, I was so I was also I was about I was in this point where I was deciding on where I wanted to continue my edu uh, education. So I managed to go into high school and college. In fact, the ministry put me through school. And so I, I was in the military for two years after going through college. And I came to this point where I had to decide: Do I want to go into the workforce, or do I want to con carry on my studies? So I thought: Okay, I, you know, maybe I can delay for a few years. And so I was looking for schools more towards like Australia and uh, UK, and one day my aunt was praying about it and the Lord gave her this word to extend your tent. And uh, for me as well, you know, I was praying about it and, and, and this message was, when you have been made well, go back and serve your brothers. And um, so as we were talking about it, sharing about it, and my aunt is from Vancouver, so she mentioned that, you know, I should check out Trinity Western. So initially, I mean, it's not the biggest school out there and there's not a lot of influence, I guess, in Singapore uh, on this school. So I had to really do my research and see what the community was like, what the alumni were like, you know, what the, the values. And the more I found out, the more I prayed and spent time, you know, mulling over this and I was sure about my decision. And yeah, that's why I ended up here. Well, Carlos, we are so glad that God brought you to Trinity Western. We know it's for a purpose. We know it's for a reason blessed by your story, and we look forward to seeing as you continue here in the business program and in other areas how you serve and have an influence in our community. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, I'd like to also welcome Angel. You look very, very lovely, Angel. This is Angel Makunzi Bazubagira Murakazaneza. Murakazi. That's in Kini, Rwanda, the national language of Rwanda. And uh, Angel, we know each other pretty well, you could say. Uh, so it's a privilege to be able to interview you. Thank you for coming today. Um, Angel, the first question I have is the same as the others. Can you just briefly describe a little bit about who you are, your family, and, and how you came to know Jesus, what Jesus means to you? Um, my name's Angel. I'm from Rwanda. And I go to a church called Christian Life Assembly in Rwanda, in Kigali, the city. Um, I grew up in a Christian family. Um, just always going to church. I can't really remember my first Sunday school. It's just something that we did on Sundays. And I remember when I was eight, I went to a drama. It was a play that they were having at church. It was called uh, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And it truly did live up to its name. I remember sitting in the pews and just... Uh, it's the, a scary one, isn't it? It was. It was scary. The, the scenes from hell... It was like flashing red lights and thunder clapping and shrieks. And so eight-year-old me was sure I did not want to go to hell. And so when they had an altar call, I decided to go. And that day I might have chosen heaven, but I hadn't really chosen Jesus. 
and it'd be a couple of years of him gently and patiently pursuing me that he would win me over and I would want to love him and seek him and serve him for myself. So there was a process to make your faith yes. your own. Yeah. How did your church community, first, what's the name of your, your home church? Uh, Christian Life Assembly. Christian Life Assembly. And how did that church community play a significant role in you going from choosing heaven to choosing Jesus? I think it's a church that encourages people of all ages to serve. Um, I think so many times it puts so much importance in titles and roles and who gets to do what. Uh, this is an example of it. This is uh, Kids Extravaganza. It's something that happens every summer. And uh, they have a couple services where the small children get to lead church, get to lead the whole service with plays and songs. And I feel like that just builds confidence for these young ones to want to serve, to have a passion to serve. And God does emphasize that we should train children in his ways. And this just, uh, I feel like... Um, a perfect representation I, of that. I, I recognize a couple of those you those do. children. In fact, I think that on the right-hand side, uh, they're a little older now, but uh, Anderson and Micah might, might be my boys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she sent me that picture, and I'm telling you, I felt homesick because this was also Eric and I's home church in Kigali. Um, it's a very international, I mean, it's a, it's a Rwandan church, yes. but it has a very international mm -hmm. flavor to it. How does that position a church to make a difference within the society? When I actually think of a global church, we just celebrated 20, our 20th anniversary this year. It was uh, started in 1998, so this was four years after the 1994 Tutsi genocide. And the church, I'd say, was at, at uh, like you wonder how a church could have been at the center of such uh, tragic and such uh, awful times. A church, in a church where people uh, went to seek refuge, it's the same place that they were later slaughtered. And leaders that- This happened in the genocide. Mm -hmm, this yeah. happened during this genocide. Uh, the church should have condemned acts like these, acts of uh, oppressing people, but it did not. And so there was a lot of hopelessness. There was a lot of fear and betrayal. Mm -hmm. People feeling like, what's, what's the point of going to church still? And so God would use missionaries and he would work greatly to restore the faith and the hope uh, of his people and, in, and of his church. That's beautiful. And you feel mm -hmm. like that this church, Christian Life Assembly, has yes. been a big part of that process in Rwanda? Yes. Absolutely. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And maybe as we're finishing up, one yeah. other really unique thing that we know about that church is just it, it's great for music and worship, and it's kind of a hub. And if you look at this picture here, maybe describe what we're, what we're seeing in this picture, because it's quite large. Mm -hmm. It fit close to 2,000 people. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, that, that would be correct. This is... Uh, an event that happens yearly called the Fleo, and churches from all over the city just join in together in their massive choirs, and it's welcome to everybody. It's definitely free of charge, and just people get to worship and praise Jesus in their culture and in their language and dancing and music, and that's just truly beautiful. That is beautiful. This has also made me extremely homesick, as mm -hmm. I'm sure it has for you, Angel. Wonderful to have you. Thank and look you. forward to visiting the Rwandan booth when you go to Culture Expo. Come to Expo. It's yes, I fun. will advertise at the end as well, but we can advertise it every time. All right, give her a hand. Make sure you hand off the microphone. Thank you, Angel. All right, our last, uh, but certainly not least, is Julia Roy. Please welcome Julia. All right, Julia, please. Uh, Join us and have a seat. Namaskar. 
Uh, Julia, I think that's Bengali yep. uh, for welcome. You helped me with that, so that's that gives me the confidence. Uh, Julia, you have a pretty unique background. Uh, it seems like the global church is embodied in your family, mm -hmm. uh, and could you tell us a little bit more about your background and that and the and the uniqueness of of your parents? Yep. Um, so I'm half Korean and half Indian. So that's my mom, my dad, and yeah, I I was born in Korea, but then we moved to India because my parents' missionary work is there. And we did move back and forth a lot, so I feel like I've been very culturally mixed growing up. So I think adaptability is one big key. I've been able to adapt from that. That's amazing. How has that helped you? Um, it's helped me in various situations, really, like even in school adapting or coming to Trinity or Canada as a country in general as well. And I feel like Though I grew up in a third world country, and the two dynamic places I w went as a kid was school and church. And in church, our church is mainly focused for the underprivileged children. And my school was fairly where the well-off people lived. So I feel like having dynamic lifestyles in both situations helped me adapt and know how to react to each environment. Well, well, really well said. So focusing on, on your church, and I know that you had a church in Korea, mm -hmm. your mom came from, and then where your dad pastored in India. So we're going to focus on the, the Indian church, but maybe we can show the pictures of the contrast in the two churches. This is the one yep. in India, and where is this located? So this is the one in India in the state of West Bengal in a city called Kolkata, and this church was actually planted by my parents. Uh, yeah, it's very, very home to that, me. That is special. What, what is the name of, of your church? It's called Grace Community Kolkata. Church. Grace Community Church. And then the next slide shows your church in, I'm assuming, quite an urban mm -hmm. setting in Korea. In Korea. It's in the capital Seoul, and it's called Wangsonggyue, or um, the King's Palace Church. Yeah. It's beautiful. So, and moving on to the last slide, I, I, can you tell us a little bit about something that is really unique about your church in Kolkata? We don't have time to look at both churches, but you, you've talked about when we've been talking about how much of a family it was, and you must really miss uh, your people there. How, how, what was it that made your church so unique? So, I grew up as a pastor's kid and a missionary's kid, so mission was a great part of my life and a unique uh, event that happened in my church was the, like Angel said, the Sunday, at uh, the summer Bible camp. And for us, our church, as you see in the picture, it's not very big. It's a little smaller than the atrium maybe. But since our church is located where the slum areas is, we would have like children running barefoot to church and about 300 to 400 kids would be in the hall there in an area smaller than the atrium. And the unique feature is since not everyone goes to school, we can't really divide it by classes or by age because everyone processes differently because they all grew up differently, right? So we would always have to come up with an activity or a plan that works, unit, like can unify the kids as one, which I think is great because we would have like sisters who were like about 10 or 12 years old carrying their three-year-old younger brother and come, but they're all dancing to the same song doing the same craft. So I think that's a very unique factor that my church has, is unifying the kids as one. Awesome, that is so good. Well, I wish we were not running out of time, Julia, because I'd love to have a longer conversation with you about this, but what a beautiful picture. I and mean, just as you're talking, what a beautiful picture of the church 
in action. And hopefully for all, you can stay as we finish, of hopefully for all of you today, this has just been a snapshot. And each one of you has your own experience and your own home church. But I just want you to get a sense of the beauty and encouragement of the beauty of what God is doing in the world. God is still at work among us. And God is at work here at Trinity Western University. Uh, I'm going to just take a moment and I'm going to commit this time to the Lord. And I'm just going to pray that God would continue to build our knowledge of what he's doing in the world and excitement to join him in it. Lord, I thank you so much for my friends, Daniela, Carlos, Angel, and Julia. I thank you that you are at work in the world. I thank you that your, your hope is coming to every corner of this earth and that you invite us to join us in that. I thank you for Culture Week. I thank you for the beauty of the fabric that you're weaving among our students here at Trinity Western as we get to know each other. And I pray that as our students go out today, they would be inspired and that they would go in peace in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.